Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge Podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I'm joined by Robert Young as we review episode five of the Disney Plus series, Hawkeye. Hey, Robert. Hey, we got a good one tonight. Oh my God. I was like, I mean, I will say we're five episodes in. Mm-hmm. I like the show. I like the show. I mean, we both admitted we had to eat some crow. We weren't really <laughs> looking forward to the Hawkeye series, uh, you know, but I, I, we've been pleasantly surprised. Definitely. Very pleasantly surprised. And, you know, so far, I would have to say if I had to pick out of the five episodes, my absolute favorite ones are episode three, which is the Maya Lopez sort of origin story. Mm-hmm. This episode? It gave me it gave me everything. It gave me everything. I was just like, yes, yes. The writing team over there, I was like, I see what y'all did. Okay, okay. Cause like we're just kind of seeing a convergence of sorts, right? Like we've been seeing these right. Easter, Easter eggs and you know, that's what I like about good writing. Like ju- don't just jump the shark. Like they're really they've been really using these egg Easter eggs and like laying the groundwork for sort of like these surprise storyline totally yeah so you can't be like oh no that doesn't make sense if you were paying attention it it totally makes sense um and especially that last scene (laughs) that we have been theorizing i sent you the the (gasps) gif well no i sent you the gif in our when we were messaging earlier and i was like enhance enhance like as soon as she (laughs) she held up the cell phone to the screen (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. It was I have to say that I I love this episode. I love this episode for so many different reasons and also the fact that it is the thing I like while the show is called Hawkeye, we've got some great women characters on this show. Kate Bishop, Yelena, Eleanor Bishop, Maya Lopez, like the women are really We really do. They are driving the hell out of that show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. So, yeah, so I'll start with you. What did you think about episode five? What are your thoughts, your initial thoughts? Uh, I 100% uh, agree with what you said. I think the thing I was most impressed with, with how much information they fit in the, the short runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think it was like 42, 43 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, not counting the credits yes. and stuff. And they fit so much into this episode. Like the whole backstory of yelena is like four minutes long so let's talk so let's talk about this cold open so at the end of episode Mm. four i know right (laughs) so the end of the episode four it was revealed that yelena has been dispatched to assassinate uh clint i'm not gonna say assassinate because that means that you're of importance to kill clint barton to kill all that (laughs) i was like "Mm, you're not gonna get that word um and so you know, of course, we saw this in the post, uh, the end credit scenes of Black Widow, the post credit scenes, uh, Allegra Fontaine uh, Val had basically mm-hmm. given uh, her, a, had given her a file and has led Yelena to believe that Clint is responsible for the death of Black Widow, aka Natasha Romanoff, who is Yelena's adopted sister. Um, yeah, like that opening scene was great great like it it just felt like it just picked up it just picked up from black widow um yeah it really did it really did so we see uh yelena and a a fellow black widow because we know at the uh, the reveal in the black widow movie was that they were using a certain gas or drugs to make the girls in the black widow training program more susceptible to brainwashing right um, and once Yelena found that gas, she's been basically since the end of Black Widow, which would have been around, what, 2018, right? 2017, 2018. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that sounds right. about right. Yeah. So um, Yelena and other, you know, Black Widows that were freed from the uh, brainwashing have been kind of going around the world, finding other widows, using the gas to snap them out of the brainwashing, to cure them of the of you know, the effects of the drug and for them to go out and live their lives. So we see Yelena and this uh, other widow, her name is Sonia, I believe, break into like this very fabulous looking mansion somewhere in the woods. It's, it's, <laughs> it's snowing. And we see this young woman, her name is Anna. Uh, 
you know, clearly she is a black widow that uh, Yelena and Sonia are there to help and save. Um, and I'm going to tell you what's so brilliant about that scene. So basically it starts out with a fight scene. Anna was like, oh, you're going to break in my house and disrespect me like that? Oh, I don't think so. So she's fighting both Sonia and Yelena, which tells you that Anna is a badass. Okay. Right. And so finally, you know, the fight starts from the hallway, goes into the, you know, the living room area, the living area. And then Yelena is able to subdue Anna. Yelena takes the gas. It looks like a red, like red powder. And she sprays it in her face. She was like, listen, we're just here to help you. She sprays it in her face. (laughs) And then Anna looks at the carpet and she was like, you just ruined my $20,000 rug. (laughs) And that's when Sonia and Yelena realize she's not brainwashed. Yeah, like Anna right. was not brainwashed. Like she is there. And I love what Anna said. She was like, Oh, you think that I'm like the prisoner of some like perverted old man? She was like, This is my house. Like I own this. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I just love that little subversiveness, right? Like, because you know, Yelena is sort of on this mission, like, I must save all black widows, and some of the black widows don't want to be saved. Um Right. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, I mean, she was basically running her own like mercenary business. And that's why she had the money to buy a house like that. Exactly. Because Sonya's like, how are you able to afford all of this? She was like, because that's, I mean, if you think about it, if you've been trained all your life from a little girl into adulthood to be like the perfect killing machine, all right, now you're free. What are you going to do? Get a job at Starbucks? Like, like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) that is literally your best skill. (laughs) And And it it pays. And it pays. <laughs> so I wasn't mad at her. I was like, go on, girl. <laughs> um, and so in the next scene, we see the three of them are sitting, they're talking. And it's really cool. Like, the thing about Anna is that I-, I hope they bring her back is that, you know, yeah, she's a contract killer, but clearly she has affection for Yelena, right? So she's yes. asking her, how's your sister, blah, blah, blah. And then Anna and Sonia kind of joke with Yelena saying, oh, well, you know, now you can go back to New York and, you know, you and, and Natasha can go and live your sex in the city fantasy, which I thought was quite funny. And then for some reason, Yelena kind of gets a little somber, uh, somber. And then she was like, I got to, you know, go to the bathroom. So she goes into the powder room. She's washing her hands, looks into the mirror <clears throat> and she's blipped. <laughs> so the same special effects that we saw in Infinity War. She's gone. And 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 it's just like in the blink of a, an eye, she basically reconstitutes. It's five years later, but for her, it's like five seconds. And then you can tell the passage of time because the decor of the bathroom looks totally different. She looks the same, but the decor is different. She blips right back in the same house, same bathroom that she disappeared in. She goes out, takes out her gun, and then boom, there goes Anna, this other man and this cute little biracial girl with the little Afro puffs. I just wanted to eat her up. Um, <laughs> and Anna's like, oh my God, Yelena, you're back. Right. And yeah. And so basically Anna's trying to tell Yelena what's happened. She's like, it's been five years. And, you know, uh, Anna basically got married, adopted a child, it's still a contract killer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, she's making domesticated life look really, really good. You know what I mean? So um yeah and then it just it, i love how the scene ends where you know yelena you can clearly clearly see she's still kind of discombobulated and just really like out of it and she was like i need to find my sister she was like i need to find natasha do you know where she is and then the screen just kind of fades and then goes into mm-hmm. i love that because we know what happens right there there's no yeah. need to have like exposition there we know what happened to natasha um so what did you think of that scene what did you think of that cold open it, well, I mean, it pretty much reminded me of the WandaVision cold open with Monica Rambeau. Yeah. I was getting those flashbacks again. And I really like that they've basically taken the TV series to show us like a lot of the repercussions that happened during that time that we didn't get to see in the movies. Absolutely. So it's really interesting to see how the blip affected all these different people and kind of like... In the Monica Rambeau version, you get to see how how hectic and chaotic it was, like mm-hmm. in a public place yes. to come back. Yeah. But in this version, you see it like in a really intimate, small, private, mm-hmm. you know, point of view of it. So it's, it's it's really cool to get to see that finally. 
I think so too. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been saying this that these Disney Plus series of the MCU, I, you know, there are some people who are like, why are these shows even necessary? They're they're filler. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. They are not filler. They're setting up a specific new universe. We're in phase four, so we need you know. And I think Kevin Feige was was right to do this by creating these series. It's basically a bridge, right? We're, br- yeah, we're bridging for sure. the OG Avengers and what we've known from, you know, phases one through three to bring us into this new era of phase four. Um, and while doing so, it's it's making us take a look at phase one through three, just even looking at those characters through a different lens, through a different through a, a different prism. And I, and I really like that. I'm yeah, really fascinated by that. Yeah. Um, so then the first scene, so then the next scene we see uh, Kate um, after the fight that she, you know, uh, what was it? It was her, Clint, Maya, <laughs> and Elena. And so Kate, you know, shows up at Eleanor, her mom's house, or I should say her mansion um, <laughs> or, or penthouse. And penthouse. She's, yeah, she's kind of bruised. She's got cuts on her face. And of course, Eleanor is not pleased. She's, you know, but she's trying to be comforting to her daughter. Um, you know, next thing you see her cleaning Kate's cuts and then they have this conversation where, uh, you know, Eleanor is basically like, you're not a superhero, you know, cause we, we understand from the first episode that when, uh, that flashback in 2012, when Kate was younger, she was inspired, uh, you know, by seeing Clint in action during that battle, during mm-hmm. the Avengers with the Shatari. And so that's why she decided to take up archery because she wants to be like Hawkeye. And the mother's like, mm, you might need a different, you know, a, a different career plan because this isn't working out for you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know what? She was <laughs> like, she was, she seemed like a really good mother in that scene because she was like, you know, sometimes our path goes a different way. She, she, she kind of put a positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like these things happen for a reason sometime. And I, I have no doubt, like you're going to find your, I have no doubt you're, you're going to find your way. And, and I was like, you know what, Eleanor is actually kind of giving like good parent advice, but you know, I'm still side eyeing her because I know she's not a good person. <laughs> You know, you know what's interesting about that conversation, right? With Kate and Bishop, like I agree with you. You know, I think two things can be true. It is definitely yeah. a mother who is caring for her daughter and her safety. Mm-hmm. I also was reading into what Eleanor was saying as referring to herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for she, sure. If, because if she's who we think she is, and she's, if we think that she's the villain that we think she is those words were taking a different meaning to me. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like talking about herself while, while also talking about Kate. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just like, Oh, um, so yeah. So then Kate basically, uh, Eleanor tells Kate, you know what, go back to your apartment, get some stuff and come back here. And so she goes back, uh, Kate goes back to her apartment, um, (laughs) to get her things and who's waiting for her. Yelena. With with some mac and cheese, with a pot of mac and cheese, with hot sauce. <laughs> that was like, you know, I already I've already loved Yelena from Black Widow, and I was like, this is my girl, mac mac and cheese and hot sauce. Of course, of yeah. course. This scene yes. right here was really good. Like this was something I did not expect. I, I knew they would. I, I expected they would interact. Yes. I didn't think we'd get a scene this good with the two of them in it. We need to talk about this. I took so many notes during that scene, which to <laughs> me is a hallmark of great writing from the screenwriters. Yeah. I was just like, like the inter. Well, number one, let's talk about the fact that you've got two of the best young actresses in the game. We're talking about Haley Steinfeld and Florence Frickin' Pugh. I was like, mm-hmm. and you know, we've said this before. This is why it is so important when you're casting comic book shows or superhero shows. It's not just enough to look cute. It's not just enough to have a six pack. You actually need to know how to act. I'm thinking about right. certain shows right now. Ain't gonna <laughs> mention them. And certain superhero movies where the talent is minimal. Okay. Yeah. The acting talent. You know what I mean? And I think when you have a scene like that that has that kind of weight, right? And mm-hmm. it, like you said, it's really just the two of two women across, sitting across the table eating a pot of mac and cheese. But there was there was so much tension and so many layers to that scene but I'll, I'll let you kick off with what you thought about it yeah i just thought the the con- the conversation kind of started off like really light and then 
like it just got dark really mm-hmm. fast and it was kind of interesting to watch kate look uncomfortable the entire time like it seemed like she was getting more and more uncomfortable the longer she talked to y- yelena mm-hmm. and um but the 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 big note that i took during the conversation mm-hmm. is when kate they, they start talking about um clint right and uh and you know uh Yelena telling the reason why she's there and Kate's like, he's still an Avenger. And mm-hmm. Yelena's like, what does that word even mean that it holds so much power? Mm. And yeah. So I was, I was that, that whole part of the conversation where she's interrogating what Kate thinks about Clint and, you know, and whilst asking her, you know, how much do you really know about him? Right. Um, I and thought that Kate, was just top-notch like, acting. It was. And I, I think uh, at one point, uh, Yelena asked her, she was like, how long have you known him? And she was like, yeah. oh, about a week. A week. <laughs> and that you pretty much answered your own question, right? Like, like, like mm-hmm. that answered it for her. Like, no, you have not known him that long, right? But um, you know what's really funny about that scene? Mm-hmm. When, I was in the, when I was in the military, when I was flying, I used to have to go... Uh, for training to, you know, fight against interrogations. And it was interesting to to watch the techniques that Yelena was using in the conversation Ooh, um, they, wow. they were having. Because most people, when they think of interrogations, they think of somebody yelling at you and mm-hmm. threatening you. But that's just a different technique. Like one of the best techniques to get information out of people is being calm and nice with them and Mm. trying to set them at ease while you ask them the questions you want to ask and that's kind of what was going through my head when I watched that scene and you want to know something while you mentioned that something just popped in my head Elena shares the same interrogation skills as Natasha Romanoff and I'm talking Mm -hmm. about when she was interrogating Loki in Avengers remember that she came to him oh yeah that's remember that and then he tried to make her feel like is she was like oh you've got blood on your ledger and this and that like and then i I actually thought this was true like natasha starts crying and you know like all ashamed and then of course the more she you know he felt that he was breaking natasha down he became more braggadocious and more arrogant and basically revealed the reason that he was on that ship was because he wanted bruce banner to turn into the hulk right right and then there's that great scene where you see natasha's head is down you, you you hear her sobbing and then she looks up at him and she was like, thank you. And thank then walks you. away. Yep. I was like, yes! <laughs> yes! Yeah, so that that is... That that's is exactly beautiful. it. That's, that's a beautiful exactly callback. It. Yeah, because the thing is, the thing with, with Yelena is that she is using her youth, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're, we're, we're two young women, we're, right? That's right, because she was talking about the whole, yeah, tell me what to go see in New York City type mm-hmm. of thing. I didn't even think about that until you said that. Like, she was basically, because I'm like, she's got to have an agenda. She don't even like Kate like that. She don't even know this girl. What is she doing here? And it's like, mm-hmm. you're right. It's the interrogation. Yep. Yep. And and let me tell you, I mean, the two performances are so great. Like, I think Haley Steinfeld is doing a great job as Kate Bishop. But that scene with Florence Pugh really shows, like, why she's one of the best actresses in the game. Because... It was like you said, this balance of light and dark where she could mm-hmm. be. Because the thing is, Yelena is very quirky and odd, right? And so <laughs> Definitely. She had a way where she, and she has that very dry wit. Like there was a point where Kate was like, oh, you're Natasha's sister. It's a good thing I didn't kill you. And then <laughs> Yelena was like, <laughs> like this fake laugh. Like she was like, oh, Kate Bishop, that's the funniest thing I might have heard. Like, girl, no way. i love that so she has this way where she can be very funny and odd and then she can turn it and then she becomes very menacing yes exactly you know and like i was just fascinated like i had to rewind that scene because i just i loved watching them go to work but particularly with florence Pugh, i think she is one of the best casting decisions the the casting across the MCU for me for the most part has been stellar. Sa- yeah. uh, Sarah Haley Finn is the casting director for the MCU, and I think she's been knocking out the part. But to get someone like Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. hell yeah, she is. You see why? It's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know the other good thing about that scene mm-hmm. that with Haley is that um, you get to see how fast Kate picks up on stuff. 
Yes. Because like near the end of the conversation, she's like, you keep saying my name. Why do you keep saying, you keep saying my full name because you want me to know how much you know about me. Yeah. You know, she was like really picking up on stuff fast during the, while she was getting interrogated. Right. Cause she kept calling her Kate Bishop. And while you may have thought mm-hmm. that it was just a, a quirk of hers. No, she was letting her know, like, I know about you. You yeah, know, and then that's and when so. she started spitting out all those facts on her and her family and everything like that. Oh, oh my gosh! And the the what was funny was like when you know they're they're having this back and forth, and again, this goes to what you were saying about Kate picking up th- picking up on things quickly. You know, Kate realizes uh, this this is not girls' night. Like you're not really trying to bother <laughs> me like that. Uh, why are you really here? So she was like, "So you're here to talk to Clint," and then. I love Yelena's response. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm here to kill him. I'm like, yeah. yikes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then they start getting into the meat of it where, you know, they're, they're, I love this exchange of ideas, right? Because Kate is literally, like, she's from the perspective of hero worship. She has put Clint on a pedestal, even after finding out that he was Ronan in last week's episode. She was like, well, you know, people do bad things, you know? That mm-hmm. that thing. Um, and then I loved how Yelena was pushing back. Like she was like, like yep. the, the line that you said where he was like, well, he's a, I think uh, Kate says something to the effect of, oh, well, he's a hero. Um, he's an Avenger. Right. And then she was like, what yep. does that mean? And then I loved what Yelena says follows up. She was like, we are defined by what we do, not nice words. And I was like, that was better, so good. Tell that girl. <laughs> Right. Because I mean, come on, seriously, like his whole run as Ronan. And I think Yelena said something to the effect of he's left a trail of blood so long that you could wrap it around the world. I was like, whew. Yeah. Yeah. He he had been busy during those five years. Let's say that. (laughs) You know what (laughs) I mean? And so, yeah. So it's, I, I love like this exchange where Kate is sort of defending Clint, but also now she's got some questions, but also asking, but she's also pushing back because, you know, when Yelena was like, well, this is going to be a difficult assignment. And then Kate was like, oh, so somebody, so this is somebody commissioned you to kill Clint. She was like, maybe you Mm -hmm. should ask yourself why this person would ask you to kill Clint, right? If he's so good. And then, you know, of course, Yelena hits back with like, is he really good? Like, what are we talking about here? He's a murderer. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, it was a good push and pull. The entire really conversation. And and I think the push and pull works on another level with the fans of, or the viewers who are watching Hawkeye. Mm. Because, I, because I think, the, you know, people who have been watching the Avengers and are familiar with Clint's and, you know, if you know the whole, um, have been watching all the movies, you know, the, the reveal that he was in reveal that he was Ronan Infinity War, there really wasn't time to deal with that. Right. It was Natasha going to Japan, you know, he was on, you know, Ronan was on some street killing some Yakuza gang members or whatever. And then that's when Natasha was like, okay, you need to come back home. So it was sort of like a, okay, I'm gonna just go back with you guys and, you know, do this mission to try to get the infinity stones and everything. So there really wasn't a lot of time for us to sit with what Clint had done. So I Mm -hmm. feel like this show is giving us the opportunity to kind of see the collateral damage, right? Um, yeah. And one of the collateral, one of the people that you could term collateral damage is Maya's father, right? Because in episode mm-hmm. three, we understand that Ronan, uh, you know, had found out a location of the tracksuit mafia. And just as Maya walked in, that's when she saw Ronan put a sword through her father's heart. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. So I've, I've got very mixed feelings about Clint because I think he's nice, but then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, but then you did this. So I, I think even for the audience, we're we're kind of torn as to what. Yeah, to do. well, I mean, Clint Clint's pretty torn. Like I he's not very happy too. with himself. I mean, that's no. pretty obvious from this show. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and so um, while we're seeing this scene with Maya and I mean, I'm sorry, with Kate and Yelena, um, you know, Clint no, has to find a new place to stay because before he was staying at Kate's aunt's apartment. So then he actually goes to Grills, uh, who we were introduced to in episode one. He's a firefighter slash LARPer. <laughs> Remember in episode <laughs> one, he was the one that had, who had bought the Ronin suit, 
right? Or or yeah. found it or something. And so, um, you know, throughout the show now, Clint and Grills and you know members of the LARPing that LARPing group are have become friends. And so, yeah, like Grills is like, yeah, you can stay with me because I think uh, I think uh, Clint was like, well, you know, I I, I got a hotel room. Do you think you keep the dog for me? And then. Grills is like, what? A hotel? No, not the great Hawkeye. <laughs> he was like, he was like, oh, you can sleep on the couch. He was like, no, you can take my bed. And I was like, okay, you're going too far. <laughs> yeah, Clint was like, no, the couch is okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> I know, right? and, um, and so we see that. So he's staying at Grills. And then the next scene, we see Clint, because this was another good scene, I thought, um, where Clint goes downtown. This is around Grand Central Station, which was the same site where the fight from the Avengers in 2012 happened. Right. So there's, it's a plaque that's dedicated to the Avengers that lists the members of the Avengers. So it's Steve, Tony, Bruce, Thor, Clint, Natasha. Am I, am I forgetting anybody? No, that, that was it. I do like that. They put Thor Odin's son. Me too. (laughs) Me too. I love that. And so it was like, okay, what was surprising? I will say this. I, I was surprised because I wasn't sure if people knew that Bruce Banner was the Hulk. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so with that plaque, it tells me that they were like, yeah, we know it's him. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's no secret identity, which is kind of like what I like about the MCU. I mean, I I think except for Peter Parker, um, pretty much the, the main heroes of, of, um, the MCU pretty much like their civilian identities are known to the public. So I'm yeah, glad. I think that was a smart move that they yeah. made. Doing that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's such a trope, right? It's like with Superman, mm-hmm. Batman, I, I'm not just picking on DC, but like even in the Marvel comics, they used to do that. So I think just taking it out of the way provides more time for storyline. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so Clint goes to the, to this plaque and kind of turns down his hearing aid. I, I thought that was interesting. So like now, it's muted. There's no distraction. And basically he's there to talk to Natasha, so to speak. What, what did yeah. you think of that, of that scene? Yeah, that was really great. I mean, that's gotta be a hard scene to do where you're not really acting off of somebody, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it was kind of, kind of cool to just see him, you know, kind of, he misses his friend and mm-hmm. this is really the only place, you know, he could come and talk to her. And it was, it was a nice character moment for him just to see how much it, it seems that he struggles with the fact that mm-hmm. she, she died mm-hmm. instead of him, mm-hmm. you know, he still has, he's got like a whole lot of survivor's guilt. Yes. You know, dealing with her. So yeah, it's, they've definitely been letting us know in the, during this series that that's a big issue he's been dealing with since leaving the Avengers. Right. right. Um, yeah. And then we jump to the scene where Clint, after he leaves the memorial, he calls Laura, his wife. And mm-hmm. we said this in our recap from last <laughs> week's episode was that Laura is more, is more than that meets the eye. Laura she's is not, somebody. She's somebody, right? Because last week's episode, she was able to get some intel for Clint. and was even speaking like a foreign language with him. Yeah, she was speaking German. She was speaking German. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so he calls Laura and he was like, hey, kind of giving her an update on what happened, you know, on the roof, knowing now that there is a Black Widow assass- assassin that's after him. He doesn't know that it's Yelena, though. At this point, I don't think he knows that's Yelena. No, is he it? doesn't find that out till later in the episode. Oh. Okay. All right. So he calls Laura. He was like, Harry, here's the deal. I, I can't come home yet. I still got work to do. And then he says something to the effect of, he's kind of like, well, this is what's going on. And now I have a black widow assassin, you know, after me. And that, you know, if, if, if I don't deal with this, then the big guy is going to get involved. And I was like, the big guy, who's he talking about? <laughs> hmm. And then what's interesting again, you know how I was saying how when Marvel casts, people like when they cast like, like really good actors and yeah actresses. <laughs> yeah like because the only time we saw linda cardinelli cardinelli was in age of ultron right that's when we were introduced to clint's family and she just seemed like the really doting you know stay-at-home mom or whatever very supportive of you know clint's missions and being away um and then we saw her again in endgame when she disappeared with that opening scene where his family disappeared so we didn't we don't really know who linda is but i feel like we've been getting a much better an idea of who she is 
Um, yeah, in, the in this series for sure. And the way she was talking to him, it was like, so basically he's like, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to make it for Christmas because I've, you know, I've got all of these loose ends. And then she was like, do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And it was the way yeah, and- she's like, I know you're not calling me for permission. Absolutely. And I trust your instincts. Yeah. <laughs> so do what you got to do. And it was the way, like I was watching Linda Cardellini, Cardellini when she was doing that scene. It There was something dark about that. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't just like, a, oh, honey, I support you. And no, it was more like, better kill these bastards. You know what I mean? So I... I know we that we had the theory that we that she was probably maybe a former agent of Shield, or could be mocking. Uh, mock, is it Mockingbird? Mockingbird. Right? Yeah. yeah. Here's another theory that I'm seeing floating around, and I wanted to throw it at you, and you tell me what it is, because clearly she's somebody. Linda's going to mm-hmm. end up being a major player in this storyline because I think that watch probably belongs to her. I think that's why Clint is trying to find it. Because it feels the, like it does. Yeah, because they're saying that the watch would reveal the identity of somebody that they don't want the civilian identity of somebody that they, you know, want to keep secret. And I'm like, well, clearly it's not the Avengers because the Avengers didn't have any secret identities. Right. So who could it be? And the new theory that I'm seeing. So last week's theory was that she could be Mockingbird. Okay. I'm still putting a pin net. The new theory that I've been seeing kind of floating around is that perhaps Linda was a former black widow assassin who got out of the life. That's interesting. I can see that. <laughs> I could maybe see that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I'll just say really quick, um, with Age of Ultron, uh, when we understand that, you know, when uh Clint brings his family to the Avengers and when Linda and Natasha see each other, they hug each other, right? Like clearly she is mm. a, a close friend. She's not only Clint's friend, she is also Natasha's. Uh, she's she's also Linda's. Yeah, Natasha and 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 Linda are also friends. Uh, Laura are also friends too. And I was like, I mean, I, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Let, let let me go back. And this is why I think she might be a former Black Widow. The typical woman would not be so comfortable with her husband being the best friends with somebody who looks like Black Widow. Like, can we <laughs> can we just keep it a buck? Okay. Yeah. Like, you're talking about like this gorgeous like femme fatale you know femme fatale like assassin who has like a body okay and has the face and you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying i mean whatever you could say about scott johansson that's a bad bitch you know what i'm saying (laughs) bad looking bitch and so i was like hmm she seems really really comfortable with their friendship not saying that you know wives can't be comfortable with their husbands having uh female friends but she seemed really really comfortable with it like i was imagining that natasha was like spending the weekends with them and stuff or spending holidays and (laughs) the only thing that i could i could theorize in my head now is that the reason why laura is so comfortable with natasha is maybe they were in the black widow training together because natasha and laura would have to have been around the same age is that my my guess right it it seems like it you know i i think i would like this theory to be true more than the other words, just mm-hmm. the other ones, just because Mockingbird was in the MCU. You know, she was part of yeah. the Agents of Shield TV show. I so agree. it would be. I, I think I would like her to be a, a former Black Widow that instead of like crazy. replacing Bobby Morse. Oh, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, because it's like people are still going to remember Agents. The fact that Laura is a former Black Widow that takes. That takes the storyline to a whole other level because it's like yeah. everything that we thought to be true. Because I, I mean, we were we were kind of commenting on it like in the first two episodes how understanding Laura was when Clint mm-hmm. was like, "I can't make it back home" or whatever. And I was like, most wives would have been like, you "Get your ass on that train!" <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? But she was she's just so understanding. But I was like, Marvel doesn't write women like vapidly like that. She's she's just. No. But now we understand it's because they are partners. It's more it's than obvious a, they're partners. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than just a husband wife thing. Like they are working together and actually like she's helping him on his missions, which tells us that she has some sort of intel or some sort of spy. She's, or, got, she's got contacts. Yeah. Right. And so it's just mm-hmm. like. I, yo, I'm just really sitting with this and I'm like, wow, if she ends up being a former widow, that is going to be crazy. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. She looks like she would be like around the same 
seem um maybe the class with Natasha either Natasha's class or like her mom the the woman that was her mom in the Black Widow movie the okay. Rachel Weisz yeah. character yeah because well you know I'm trying to think of like because I'm looking at uh how old is Scarlett Johansson she's like in her 30s right I thought so yeah uh because I think Scarlett Johansson is like 30 Three, thirty-four. Okay, Scott Johansson is thirty-seven. Okay, and then Linda Cardellini. I mean, she looks great. I think Linda looks great. She Linda, does. Yeah, Linda Cardellini looked is about forty-six years old. So maybe not. Okay, so they're they're about nine years apart. So about a decade apart. So maybe she would have been like in the same class as the Rachel Vice character oh, that played Black Widow's mom. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yep. That, 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 yeah. Cause Rachel Vise is about, uh, I think she's like either late forties or early fifties. Uh, we're such nerds. Like seriously, what are we doing? <laughs> but listen, we got to give the people what they want. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I don't want any, well, actually like, no, we actually, uh, Rachel, Rachel Vise is 51. I mean, yep. of course, you know, they play with the age a little bit of characters. Right. So they don't have to. But I, but I mean, I, 51, 47, I mean, that's, they could have been mm-hmm. in the same class, you know. Wow. <laughs> wow. So Clint married a black widow. I hope that's, that's I hope that's it. I really hope that's it. Because that would be cool. That would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, but here's the thing, though. If Clint, clearly, you know, he was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like he was working under Nick Fury. Um, I feel like Nick would know about that. Like if, if Clint was like, yeah, I'm getting married and, or, you know, this is my wife knowing Nick, he's the most suspicious person ever. I would know. I, I would feel that he would do some background. Was, wasn't Nick on the, was Nick, Nick on the farm in Ultron? Yes, yes he was. Yes, he was. And he I don't, I don't remember if he interacted with her at all. Um, it's been so long since I watched that, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. But he was there. Yeah, he was there when they were on the farm. Nick was there. Yeah, because so, I think you're right. I think he would know if mm-hmm. that was the case, but yeah, but you know, I uh, yeah, I, I, I want to go back and watch the farm scene just to see now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, 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 here's here's an idea. Here's a thought. We know that the the tie or the connection between Nick Fury and Natasha is the fact that. Natasha wanted to get out of the life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, originally they were supposed to assassinate Natasha. That's why Clint was like the best shot I took was the one that I didn't take, right? Right. So she came in. She was sort of like the spy who came in from the cold. Nick was like, okay, now you're working for us or whatever. Who's to say that Natasha was the first Black Widow he did that for? What if Laura was right. the first? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, that mm-hmm. probably wasn't the first time Nick did that. Yeah. And, and maybe that's how Clint and Laura met. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And just, I mean, yeah, because I was just like, for you to be an agent of shield, like if you have like any significant partners or like, I know they're running your background. Like you, you can't just be like, hey, I'm taking time off because I'm marrying this person. They're going to be like, ooh. Uh, <laughs> right? Because- No, I, I mean, we had to do that when in Intel in the military. Like you have to, like any relationship you have, you have to report it to the security people. No freaking way. Like even like dating. Yeah. Right? Wow. Well- if it, if if you're dating somebody seriously, yes, they, yeah. they have to be reported. Absolutely, because I mean, this person, because especially if you're going to be um, sharing a domicile, that person yep. has access to you, your files, your computers. I mean, we see this in spy movies all the time. So it's, yeah. it it seems to reason that if Nick was on that farm and she would, that it tells me that there that Nick must have known. Like she probably mm-hmm. was maybe one of the. Maybe she was the first. And so maybe that's why Nick felt a little bit more comfortable taking Natasha, where it's like, okay, I had success with Laura. You know what I mean? Or maybe Laura suggested. I don't know. I'm not sure how it happened, but this is interesting. (laughs) I hope this is, I hope this is what she is because I feel like this fits it a lot better and we Mm -hmm. don't have to deal with the messy agents of shield, uh, mockingbird, Bobby. I agree. agree. Yeah. (laughs) I, I think because it's been, the elements have been like, uh, you know the the mafia and this and Black Widow. I, I think it you would have to go in the Black Widow thing yeah. because her being Mockingbird and be like I don't feel like the stakes would be that high to be honest with you. Right, but no, the fact I agree. that yeah, but the fact that she might have been a former Black Widow who defected, 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically she was like, go do what you got to do. Um, and uh, the scene before that, we saw these two guys from the tracksuit mafia. It was a really funny scene. They're driving, <laughs> you know, one of the trucks and then an arrow goes right through the window. And then the arrow, the tip of the arrow opens and it's a note to Maya telling her to meet him at the site where her father died. Right. right. So we know it's Hawkeye, or at least I would assume people would know it's Hawkeye. So uh, Maya goes, Fat Man Autos, big Easter egg there. So she goes there and she has the tracksuit mafia and the other guy. I forget what the name of that guy is. Oh, Kazi. Kazi. Kazi's on the roof. The other tracksuit mafias are kind of like, you know, having her back there protecting. And all of a sudden you just see somebody dispatching them one by one, taking them down, <laughs> not killing them, but disabling them. Clearly it's Ronan because we see the sword. And then finally, uh, you know, Maya's deaf, of course. So she, she doesn't really understand, you know, she doesn't hear what's going on at first. And then when she looks and she sees no one's there, that's when Ronan comes out of the shadows. Let me tell you about this fight scene. No, you, you, <laughs> you tell me about this fight scene because... No, I just love seeing Echo, or uh, I love seeing her fight. Maya is just such a badass. I love the way like she opens the fight by flipping the empty clip in the gun at him. Yes. And then following in with a kick. That mm-hmm. was just like so cool to watch uh her fight. I was actually impressed with uh Clint. it's so weird seeing Clint fight as Ronan as opposed to fight as Hawkeye. Yeah, well I meant to ask you, let just I, I just want to ask you real quick before we go back to the fight scene. Where would okay so here's my question where would clint have had time to learn to fight like that because we've, we've seen him through the you know avengers movies or whatever i was like when did he like acquire these i mean yeah. he an archer, but i was like since when did he know how to kill people with a sword i was just like where, when did this happen well i in the comics he was actually funny enough because uh the guy that um eleanor is dating kind of seems like the character the swordsman in the marvel comics mm-hmm. but in the comics he's trained by swordsman to use a blade mm-hmm. so I, I don't know where they would fit all that in in the mcu like when right. he had time to do that i guess it'd be somewhere during the blip that he mm. would have done that training but uh yeah wow i was that fight scene i mean we I, we've been seeing some really good fight sequences in uh in Hawkeye, especially, uh, what was it? Episode four, we saw the fight scene on the roof with the four of them, this one. So now it's more like one, like one-to-one combat, right? Hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just like, I've already said this. Alakwa Cox is a mother freaking superstar. Like, <laughs> like I really cannot, like I'm watching her and I'm like, I cannot believe this is her first starring role. What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really like this echo character and I really want to see, mm-hmm daredevil and her together for sure i think that's what they're setting us up for right yeah they gotta be they got to be yeah it was it was so that fight scene was so good and from what i understand i think we mentioned it last week the stunt performers uh her name is heidi moneymaker she has been uh natasha she has been uh scarlett johansson's stunt double um she's doing all the stuff the coordination for this yeah 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 so she's a double and she's been the stunt coordinator and i oh, wow. and i think it shows i think it shows because when you're doing if you're doing stunt choreography for women you have to be really specific right because we're not as tall we're not as muscular so we have to like we're we're, we're using our strengths in different ways mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that you know what i mean and so there's like there's a gracefulness and like an efficient efficiency in the way that 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 they fight like black widows like moves are notorious is just like iconic we we love it the move where she jumps on the head and then she mm, yeah like all of that and so heidi moneymaker actually i think it's called the widow throw or something like that i forget but she created that move specifically for the black widow character um and so she is now working on hawkeye and her sister renee moneymaker is now i think she is kate bishop's stunt double okay stunt double okay so it's two sisters i love it it's like two sisters who are stunt but and i they're doing amazing work and when the emmys come out next year they better be on the mm, mm, mm. all right you know what i I really liked about this scene yes 
Maya's fighting style is really brutal. And I can mm-hmm. you, you know how you said that um Natasha is like really graceful. Yeah. I mean Natasha's brutal too, but it's it's got a grace to it. Mm-hmm. Maya's really, really like pugilist. She's like really br- a brawler almost. Yes, yes. And and I'll I'll say this. Remember. Maya is someone who's very observant. If she's fighting with mm-hmm. you, whatever fighting style you're giving her, whatever energy you're giving her, she's giving it back. Yeah, for sure. So Ronan is coming at her. You're a man and you're being brutal like that. She was like, oh, okay. I'm not playing with no games with you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a great fight scene, I must say. I mean, like, you're really seeing, like, she does this move where she flips and I, I can't even explain the move. I was just sitting there like, I'm in love with this woman. I'm in love with this woman. I'm in love with this woman. I like, and the, I can, the cool yeah. thing is she uses her prosthetic to, like, block sword blades and stuff yes, like that too yes and so i mean of course with the stunt doubles they don't have prosthetic legs but we know that the character has a prosthetic right. leg and i i just think that that representation again is so important like after watching this there is no reason for mm-hmm. a director or a casting director to be like oh we can't cast a disabled person with a prosthetic leg or arm to yes you can yes you yeah, can you just have to i mean yeah you just have to do like they said when they talking about them finding my uh uh Alakwa Cox. Right. You just have to do your due diligence to go out there and look for the person. Yeah, because because think about it. Not only does she have uh, my uh, that Alakwa Cox has a prosthetic leg, she's also deaf. Yep. So yeah. she's doing all this and having to work with the. And I think they, to I think for me at least, it looks like they are really using her to her fullest potential. You know what I mean? It feels I, like it. Yeah, it's really good. Like that fight scene, I was just like, damn. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, Ronan subdues her. She's, you know, up against, you know, uh, she falls down and she's up against the car. And then the mask is revealed. And I was like, yeah, better not make it somebody else other than Clint or I will fight y'all, okay? <laughs> I don't want to hear a, oh, you know, surprise. It's not really Clint. It's somebody else who's Ronan. So it is Clint. And then he takes the sword and he tells Maya, listen, I understand you're upset, but listen, if you come for me or my family, I'm, you know, like, I'm going to finish you off. Like, I'm, I'm going to kill you. But um, the way they shoot that is so cool because mm-hmm. since she's deaf, mm-hmm. you know, like the scene is like super silent and they have yes. like the, uh, the captions on there where she's catching parts of what he's saying mm-hmm. and just seeing like the, the cameras focused on the lower half of his mouth. Yeah, I just love the way they do that. I think so too, because you know that's been a discussion with deaf actors. Actual, let me let me put it this way: actual deaf people who go to the movies and watch portrayals of deaf characters that are not played by that are not deaf, able bodied. Mm-hmm. Let's say like hearing actors who play deaf actors and are doing sign language. Deaf people are like, do you not understand like how? awful it is they're like the way the sign language by hearing people the way they do it they're like it's literally like watching broken english it's horrible mm, yeah. do you understand what i'm saying because like to us who who are not deaf we're like oh they're acting the hell out of this and then people who are actually deaf are like this sign language is terrible like yeah. <laughs> like what it's kind of like when you hear people try to do languages they don't really know <laughs> that's, that's exactly it robert that's exactly it that is exactly it so i love that they made the perspective from her that she mm-hmm. you know he's this person who's also hard of hearing too right clint is hard of right. hearing and so i think he signs a little but then she's reading his lips right and yep. then wow it was just you know so then she he threatens her and then he drops a bomb on her he was like listen the reason why i was at that garage that night is because i got a tip from somebody who worked within your organization. So basically, mm-hmm. he was like, your boss wanted your father dead. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And then, yeah, and then somehow, so she's shocked. And then, you know, Maya calls him a monster. And he was like, no, we're weapons. And then, you know, he goes into this whole speech about, you know, when people are blinded by rage, they become weapons and people will take advantage of it, blah, blah, blah. And then what I love is that after he finishes the speech, Maya is observing him and then she gets the drop on him. She (laughs) takes him down. She takes the sword and she's about to finish him off. And just as she's about to, you see a arrow knock the sword out of her hand and it's Kate. She's on the roof across the street. And then by the time, like, I guess Maya is so shocked by the time she looks back, Clinton is gone. Yeah. Now 
I just want to put a pin in this scene because this is something that's been that's been irking me a little bit. We we kind of touched on it last week, right? Where I've been seeing, particularly with episode three, when we saw Maya's backstory and we understood that Ronan had murdered her father, right? Because her father was part mm-hmm. of the Jackson Mafia. There's been like, particularly from white male writers that that are you know writing or reviewing Hawkeye, there's like this overwhelming amount of sympathy for Clint. Right. We, 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 we said this in the recap of episode three and I was like, what? Like, you just saw this story. What, what the heck are y'all doing? Like, you're like, Oh, is it, you know, Oh, Clint justice for Clint Barton. I actually saw a, a freaking hashtag that they've created for that. I'm like, justice for what, what are you talking about? Like he wow. got his family back. Okay. Right. All right. Now this is my, this is my gripe and I want to see how you feel about it. So when Clint reveals himself, right, and he's like, all right, I'm the one who killed your father and, you know, gives her the whole speech. He says to her, we're the same. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And I'm like, and I'm going to tell you why. You're this white male. You're, you're, you have white you have white man privilege. You are part you are part of like the most iconic superhero team. OK, your family got blipped. And again, like I said, when your family got blipped, why did you not try to go find the other Avengers to try to find out what was happening? No, instead of you created some crazy persona with a freaking sword and went killing like mobsters that were that tended to be people of color, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, why? Because these people had nothing to do with your family being blipped. You just mad and you just want to take it take it out on somebody. But okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> but. But it's, I think the reason why that scene didn't sit, sit well with me is like, okay, I understand people are like, oh, you know, Clint is a family man and his wife and his lovely children, and he's just trying to protect them. Okay. Well, Maya had a family too. Yeah. Right? Those men that mm-hmm. were murdered the night that Clint went on his murder spree, those were her fam- that those, those men were her family, and especially her biological father. So we can have a conversation about how vengeance and rage can only be reserved for white men and yet for marginalized people and people of color, we don't have a right. So you tell me that the same way you were upset and 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 in this rage about your family dying and then going around, you're telling me that rage that that Maya doesn't have the right to be freaking upset that you killed her father? Like what are we talking about here? <laughs> no, I agree uh, with you. I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. I think the I think the only part of what Clint is saying that I think kind of rings true to me is that mm-hmm. before he did the Ronin stuff, right? He was still a killer, right? You know, he was killing for Shield and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and that's the whole thing where he was talking about like we're both weapons mm-hmm. that have been that have been used. So I think if you look at it pre Ronin, the Ronin stuff, I don't think there's any excuse for. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Yeah, you know, but you know what it reminded me of? I'm going to throw this to you and you tell me what you think. So okay. back to the, back to the scene where Clint was telling Maya, we're the same person. And I'm thinking, no, she's a disabled Native American woman. Mm, yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? So no. Yeah. Like, like, okay, you're hard of hearing. Yes, you have your, but you, I'm sure he's got money because clearly the house that his family lives in, you know, they're in seclusion. You've got money. Okay, (laughs) so you're definitely Mm -hmm. not hurting for supporting your family, right? Um, You know what that scene reminded me of? Go back to the What If episode where What If Killmonger saved Tony Stark. Remember the scene? So this is halfway through the episode where it's revealed that Killmonger had used Stark and Stark Industries to build those uh, robots, those killer robots, so he could invade Wakanda, right? Uh And so... The scene where Tony confronts Killmonger, right? And he, <laughs> yeah. and he pushes Tony a- across the thing, and I guess he stabbed him or whatever. And then Tony was dying. And then Tony says to Killmonger, we're I the thought same. we're the same. And what did, what did Killmonger say to him? We're not. Yeah. What what did he say? I love that scene. Yeah. It was, I forget what he said exactly, but basically Killmonger he, was like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. He's, it had something to do with like when they look at me and you, yes. you know, we're, we're not the same. Exactly. Exactly. Like Tony, Star- like you are literally like a billionaire, a rich white billionaire with all the privileges and all the, okay, 
assuming mm-hmm. that your, your, your parents were murdered, if that's the same timeline, like it's the poor little rich boy trope. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, yeah. not I mean, I, and then, I like and Killmonger was like a, a, a young, poor black kid from Oakland exactly. that just happened to be a genius. Right. And so this idea of like these white privileged men trying to approximate or trying to compare their situation yeah. to a marginalized person, it just doesn't fly. But yeah. I liked what I liked what what if did. They were like, no, no, no. And Killmonger <laughs> was like, we're not the same. So when Clint was saying that to Maya, I was thinking about that episode of what if and I'm like, no. No, y'all are not the same. <laughs> That's a all. really good correlation between mm-hmm. those two scenes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like when are you gonna talk about your white male privilege, Clint? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so yeah, so yeah, so basically uh Kate saves Clint, they you know, run away and then I think <laughs> she she ordered an Uber or some sort of car service yeah. and they called her Tabitha, which was cracking me up. And then <laughs> While they're in the back seat of the car, that's when Kate reveals to Clint that the woman on the roof, the Black Widow assassin, is actually Elena. Yeah. And did you see how Clint just went quiet? He got real quiet and he was like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I, his, his, I think his original plan was, yo, I got to take this girl out. Now he's torn now he's like oh i can't i can't kill natasha's sister yeah. what are you talking about you know yeah so yeah oh and as 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 far as reveals we thought that was a good one right mm-hmm. then uh kate and and clint end up going back to grills's place and kate gets a text from an unknown number right because the scene before we saw yelena following eleanor bishop eleanor bishop goes into this building we see uh, Yelena standing outside. Now Kate is getting this text, which we assume is from Yelena. And the text says, the person who hired me was your mom, was Eleanor Bishop. And then she texts a picture to Kate. And you just see, we don't see the picture. We just see Kate's face go pale, like, oh my God. And then she hands the phone over to Clint. And it's a picture of Eleanor Bishop and Kingpin. The God, the GOAT, Vincent freaking D'Onofrio. Yo, Robert. Let's go. Let's go. I was like, y'all really going to do this? Okay. (laughs) Oh, you know what I did want to say, though? Yes. You describing the scene reminded me. I love the way they use fashion, Yelena's fashion, to kind of like give an idea of her personality. She's got like this really over the top, like her civilian fashion. Yes. <laughs> she does. Like she had the really over the top, like eyeshadow and stuff when they were having that conversation in Kate's apartment. And then like, I don't know which the mm-hmm. fashion she had at the end, in that end scene. It almost seemed <laughs> like some kind of like, it seemed like something like Jamie Summers in a $6 million <laughs> man or the bionic woman would have yeah. worn in the seventies. <laughs> I'll try not to laugh. No, it's true though. But, but, you know, and that's a great observation because remember the the way that I'm thinking about it is that because Yelena didn't have a childhood, mm-hmm. like her childhood and her teenagers years, she was not privy to like current fashion, right? She was just, you know, whatever black widow training gear or whatever. So now that she's free, it's, she's like a little girl who doesn't really know how to dress herself. Yeah. She just kind of like sees stuff she likes and puts it on. It seems like, yeah, like yeah. whatever just. Yeah. suits her fancy that day yeah that's a great observation i actually didn't even think about that and now that i'm thinking about it that's also a callback to black widow remember there was a scene where natasha and she were in the car and she was asking natasha like what do you think of this vest remember? oh that's right i forgot about that yeah i'm about to bake your noodle i'm about to bake your noodle <laughs> that same that same uh that same vest right or uh-huh. harness that yelena wore right uh-huh. That is the same harness that Scarlett Johansson, that's what Natasha wore in Infinity War. Really? Yes. And the reason why I know that is because I was watching, if you go to Disney Plus, you know, they have like a documentary, like the behind the scenes. It's, I think it's called Marvel Legends or something like oh, that. Oh, that's right. They do those little like features. Yes. Things. So then they were interviewing uh, Florence Pugh and they were talking about, you know, her relationship to like Black Widow. And then they showed the scene where she's in the car with the vest and then they showed the scene in infinity war and you saw a black widow wearing the same vest 
That's Yo, so cool. I was like, yeah. <laughs> are you serious right now i mean my boyfriend i yelled so loud my boyfriend was like what 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 just happened you thought somebody <laughs> broke into the apartment i'm like no babe i'm just watching like this like this is crazy like i was just like like the connect like the the attention to, to details that marvel has with their properties from the live connecting the live action series to the movies like nothing is wasted nothing no. is wasted. and that's yeah. what we talked about in the first episode i said th- i said that's my favorite thing about the mcu is like yes. we've got like this rich history and like everything is kind of like connected in some small way mm-hmm. and we're all privy to it since we watched all the movies you know we have that knowledge and it's just so cool when we get to see the connections come together absolutely yeah because i also remember reading an article um, I think they were interviewing the directors, Bert and Bertie, um, uh, and they were saying that, you know, they actually, while they were working on the Hawkeye series, they got an advanced screening of the Black Widow movie because they knew that the movie and the TV show were going to tie together. So they wanted to make sure that the continuity was correct. And mm-hmm. so to your point about uh, Yelena's wardrobe, they said that, you know, Florence Pugh came in, they said it was very much of a collaborative uh process because you know Florence Pugh had like very specific ideas of who Elena is as it should be a lot of actors are very protective of their characters and whatever and so they were just Mm -hmm. like and so the wardrobe was one of the things and I think one of the things that I really love about Florence Pugh is that um and we saw this in the Black Widow movie is that Elena does not want to be sexualized at all right the same way that they kind of did it with Black Widow in the first movies Florence Pugh was like we're not doing that you know what yeah. I mean? And so like, yeah, like her costumes, it's like, it's, it's very functional. All her, mm-hmm. and so, and so her off, her civilian clothes are just, so I guess that's where she gets to have fun. Right. So, yeah. And yeah. It seems like she wears a lot. Like yeah. she just has like a lot of stuff on. <laughs> she's, I'm telling you, I love Florence Pugh. Like the way she's playing Yelena, I was like, she is one of my favorite characters. Like I cannot wait to see her like, fully integrated into phase four and me and too I, she's yeah. so different from um natasha. from uh from natasha mm-hmm. it, it's so cool to see that how different they are yeah and i think that was necessary because if they had just cast another you know pretty actress who was like all sultry it'd be like okay why are we getting the same thing you know what i mean no, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, not, I'm not knocking scott johansson for what she did because i love black widow but i i like that yelena is trying to have a she's different, different. Yeah, and I, and I think that scene, now that I'm thinking about it, like that scene between her and Kate, I think it's a foreshadowing of things to come. Me too. I think they're going to be Yeah. I think they're going to be a nice duo. I think so too. Yeah. Hawkeye <laughs> and Black Widow back together again. <gasps> there you go. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I love this episode. Like that reveal with <laughs> Kingpin, it felt so fully earned. It wasn't like out of the blue, like, oh, what is kid? No, like they were dropping the, well, I don't even know how, I want to say from episode three, maybe I need to watch episode one and two because maybe there were Easter eggs there too. I don't know. But they, they're doing a really good job on this show. I was like the way that they are just threading everything together. And so now because Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is now in this MCU, that opens the door wide open. Let's go <laughs> charlie Char- charlie cox coming in as daredevil right as, as got, to. got, got to. to that opens the door for a jessica jones if you know if they decide to use the same actress luke cage because it's all set in new york yeah so there's there's a lot of possibilities there i was just like wow we got it i mean with the whole echo <laughs> thing we got to get charlie cox i mean daredevil Absolutely. and echo are kind of like intertwined in the comics so that that's got to happen well, I, I think like Alakwa is such a emotive actress and she's so intense. I can't wait to see her scenes with Charlie Cox. Charlie, Charlie Cox is a wonderful Oh my actress. God, that's going to be so good. And, I, and to see them fighting together. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. So I think like the Echo series is probably going to be like she's sort, sort of renegade. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. kind of writing wrongs and stuff. And so I think what they're doing with the Echo series is kind of like what Netflix was doing with Marvel, where it's like the street level heroes, right? And I think Alakwa, yeah. I think Echo is going to be like a reflection of that. And how many of these heroes from, you know, Netflix that they integrate, except Iron Fist, please just go sit 
over there. I, yeah, but I I am so excited. Like for that to be the penultimate episode, like this the, the episode before the season finale. I'm just hoping I I I am confident that they're going to stick the landing. You know, because sometimes you're watching. Yeah, me the show too. I, I'm not feeling shaky at all, but and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see D'Onofrio again. Oh, oh, I'm so excited to see him. Again. Have you checked his timeline on Twitter? Has he said anything? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. I'll have to I'm check it after this. Oh my gosh, I I I know that he had to have been. He couldn't say anything because you know Marvel, nope. they got snipers. They will shoot you if you give out spoilers. Nope. So I'm I'm really excited to see D'Onofrio do his thing. He's like the way he played Dare, the way he played Kingpin and Daredevil. That was just like that was masterclass acting, like real talk. Um, that was so, so good. It was so good. So it's really gonna see him against Hawkeye. What? Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. And, and then maybe some more of him in the Echo series with Daredevil yes. and Echo. I, I think that's the. I think Hawkeye is basically a launching pad for echo it feels like it mm-hmm. it feels like it so i love that i love that they're using the series of like this white guy <laughs> to kick off a series of a native american disabled woman who's a who's a superhero or well you know a comic book hero yeah. anti-hero we'll say that but I'm yeah excited. that's something i did not expect we were gonna get and it's it's great it really is it really is so thank you again robert <laughs> for joining thank you. us Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side.